On this episode of the podcast, we are in episode 80, and we did a special live version with my buddy Ken Evans. You can get him at the Ken Evans pretty much everywhere on the internet. We talked about everything. We talked about what's happening with coronavirus. We talked about murder hornets. We talked about the radio industry as he uh, was let go in January of this year. And then we talked a little bit about the UFC, which is happening this weekend, because he and I, for 10 years, did a podcast called Way of the Warrior talking about UFC. So all of that is inside episode 80, and this is the Incredible Halt Podcast. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for me to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Don't on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Hulk. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. Got watch video. Yeah. Yeah, we're live, man. Just, just so you know. There we go. Going to give this a couple of minutes and let people build in. Yeah. All right. So let me, uh, let me grab this link. I'm going to share it across. Okay. People can see behind the scenes a little bit here as we are doing this. Are we doing? Are we going to cover the uh, Bears and Lions schedules? Is that what we're doing for the next? Uh, <laughs> yes, for the next hours? six hours, we're covering the Bears and Lions <laughs> schedule in depth ah. coverage. Dude, I will tell you what. As uh, as we're waiting for people to kind of show up here and uh, get the lives going, I was thoroughly impressed by uh, what ESPN nine six one did. Did you watch any of their stuff during the actual draft? I watched the. You know, no, I didn't watch all four hours of it, but I watched some of it for sure. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I don't know if anybody working there watched all four hours of it. I'm just. That were trapped my, on the stream. They didn't watch my, that. My point was that uh, it actually, it, it it was really cool to do. And, I, you know, I sent uh, Drew a text right afterwards. I said, hey, man, uh, just so you know, like, this is the first time I felt normal in like a month. Like, just kind of watching a bunch of dudes drink and watch the draft. I kind of felt like I was there. So yeah. So it was pretty cool. It's Yeah. So. And that, you right, know, that's, that's the one thing that I, I um, am enjoying. Enjoying is probably the right word. Enjoying about this is all of the people just sort of hacking at it until they create something right because they would yeah. that's not what they would have done if they were able to just be in a you know be in a studio doing studio stuff oh no i know? mean I, I i mentioned this before and uh, again if you're just joining us we're just kind of letting things build up here a bit as we kind of get the live feed shared across uh, the platforms um i thought the really interesting thing was that they they did much better being online with those people than they would have ever been in your typical bar setup that we would have seen in radio in the past for sure and well because yeah and and it ends up being a better product and what that's that to me is going to be the interesting thing that comes out of this as i'm checking to make sure it's it's rolling um you got everything rolling on online yeah it looks like we're good um okay yeah you know, it'll mess you up You're, we're delayed you saw that and you yeah, were super delayed i right? did which is fine um <laughs> But what uh, what I what I think is interesting is watching as people sort of stumble into that stuff and what will happen in the after, you know, and not to um, to kind of divert a little bit from from those those four guys doing the the draft on nine six one. If you look at like what Krasinski is doing or even what Ryan's, Ryan Reynolds is doing with no budget in their house with whatever gear they have, and then you'll put those mm-hmm. guys in a studio to see what sort of movies they're going to put out. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated when we get to the other side what that stuff looks like. Oh, for sure. A thousand percent. So, I mean, I think that's one of the interesting things we're seeing how media reacts here as uh, we kind of wait for uh, everything to get going. You want to start this? Do you have like a big intro? This is I, like your podcast. So, I don't I, mean, I don't have a big is, intro, but I can do it. I've more... never listened. So what are the formatics? It's a shitty podcast anyway. So uh... no, I'm just kidding. 
Uh, I warn everybody as we start, let's make this the official start. As we start, I've listened to a lot of Eric's podcasts and there's a lot about like finding your zone and, 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 and being at peace and doing good things and being creative and, and your productivity. None of that shit's happening tonight. <laughs> this thing is a mess. It's screwed up. We have to acknowledge that and be a part of that and embrace it. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody to go write a book tonight. I'm not going to tell you to like to find your zone, uh, shower in the morning, put your cologne on just like you were going to work. None of that shit tonight. All right. That, that stuff. We're in day, what, 60, 70? What are we in? I, I am 58. So mine is day 50. Are you literally counting? Yeah. No, we have like a prison calendar upstairs that we just like. Mark oh, do off you really? Yeah, totally. Yep. <laughs> See, you've always had the foresight I've never had. I just, (laughs) you know, you texted me like the first weekend of this. I'm like, don't worry. I mean, you can't keep this thing closed forever. We'll be done at spring break. You're like, I don't know, man. I don't know what's happening out there. (laughs) And you were right. So, yeah, I've been in the house other than grocery runs since March 13th. Yeah, the so they, the last day of school. Yeah, so we're about the same. We I was the day before that because M Live wanted to te- sort of saw the writing on the wall, wanted to test this, so started to send people home and go, okay, can what does this look like when we do it from home? So right, so you've been home uh, essentially as long as I have. So I guess to, not to jump uh, onto your podcast and start asking you questions, but how did you feel those first couple of weeks as we essentially weren't dealing with anything? I mean, we were dealing with essentially zero in West Michigan. And then you would look and see what was happening in Detroit and you would kind of feel those screws tighten and the clamps come in and things got tighter and tighter. And that just ratcheted up everybody's anxiety and, you know, really kind of started us in this whole push where we're seeing protesters weekly now where businesses are opening up, opening up uh, where we've kind of got this whole situation where people were pushing back just because things felt very, very constraining if you were outside of that metro Detroit area. So I would say, uh, and I've said this to a, a couple friends, I, I think I probably even said it to you, that first week for me f- was awful as I was trying to figure out, number one, deal with the anxiety. Because, you know, as you jokingly said, like, man, we'll be fine. Just give it seven days and we'll be back to do it. And that was not what was happening. Um, well, they said 15 days. No, I, mean, no, I, I, th- I know, I know. But like, you know, so I, that first week as we're trying to figure out how, because there's three adults in this house, how we're all going to work in this space, how I'm going to homeschool my kids while still holding on a full full time job. What right. what does it look like to stock your house in a different manner than you ever have before? Because we don't buy like or hadn't bought bought like that. I mean, this has changed the way of buying habits for us at least probably permanently. I would say because it's been nice to not go and not, that, not have to go every night. Yeah, to well, the store and, and drop even, by and pick up something. Well, and not even that, but like even going out two or two and a half or three weeks of planning and just going I don't have to think about that part of it. You know, it's much like when people kind of stock their wardrobe, they they do the Steve Jobs where they're just going to wear the same thing so they don't have to think about it. This right. this buying 3 weeks worth of food has been helpful for us, but that first week just trying to figure all that out was awful and then the second week when, to your point, you started to feel things get gnarlier, but it didn't feel gnarly. And one of the jokes around here is we've been sheltering in place in this neighborhood, but this neighborhood has been doing bonfires since day one and hasn't really stopped. Right. So, right. um, yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's quite the juxtaposition between what you're seeing, what you're reading and what you're experiencing, which makes that for me anyway, makes that sort of discord because you're reading 
45 or 55, 45 or 46,000 cases in the state of Michigan and this amount of 3,000 deaths or whatever the whatever the stat is right now. I haven't looked today. And then you're not necessarily seeing that reflected in where you live. Um, yeah. But you're still beholden to how you're supposed to operate in the world because. Yeah. I mean, do you not to get into this too much? I know we're going to talk about a couple of different things in the podcast. I mean, we can do whatever. I, so. We, yeah, it, it, it's your podcast. Do whatever, do whatever you want. Um, I, I think it's really interesting if you go back to to when this the protest kind of started and all of that stuff. And can we, before we start talking about this, admit no matter what type of organization or what type of rally or whatever side of this issue you're on, there's always going to be extremists and radicals within that group. I would 100% endorse that statement. Yes. I mean, and I want to make it clear, too, because I was downtown when Trump came to Van Andel Arena and there was a very jovial party like atmosphere around the arena. And then right down at Rosa Park Circle, literally people were spitting on some of the supporters. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, you can go find those videos. Yep. And I'm not judging everybody on the left for that. And and this becomes a little bit left right. But I mean, you know, my politics, I've I didn't vote for Whitmer or Trump, and I've never felt better about my life than right now <laughs> for those two decisions. Right. right. So. My point is that I'm, I'm pretty much in the middle. I don't really like either side. I try to really vote on candidates and not, you know, because there's an R and L next to the name. I, I think a lot has been radicalized within the groups that were initially protesting, because if you remember that first protest, do you remember what it was called? I don't actually know. It was Operation Gridlock. Yes. People oh, yeah, wanted yeah, yeah. to go protest, yep. but they wanted to do it relatively safely. They asked everybody to stay in their cars and basically cause gridlock in the Capitol that wasn't open anyways. So I think you had a really large group of people and especially small business owners that didn't like the moving goalposts initially, because the big thing that happened with the protests, and again, it's kind of hard because everything's melded together and you've got the militia guys and you've got the women being assaulted at the Capitol. Everything's kind of morphed into a whole deal. Um, so people don't quite remember these distinctions, but you really had a clamping down. That was the gas pump speech, if I remember correctly, when she said, OK, no more boats unless they don't have a motor because you can't get gas and you can do this. And we're, we're not going to let you buy a can of paint, even though you're walking right by it. And, and a big box store can handle these people, but a small store can't. Right. So, I mean, you really had if you're a small business, you had screws tightening very, very quickly and you didn't have a lot of good reasons other than we need to be apart. We need to stay at home. And I'm not saying that's a bad reason, but I think a lot of those people in that initial run were going there to say, hey, what is the plan? We want to open up safely. We want to do this safely. And we, we've devolved into a situation where people are like, F that, I'm not wearing a mask. Yep. That's yeah, yeah. not where this started. That's not where this started at all. I was an initial member of some of these groups. People were inviting me in because, you know, people think I'm always, I'm either all on their side or totally against it. And they don't realize, like, it depends on the subject and it depends on the time of day and, you know, how people are acting. So, I mean, I remember that initial group and I remember there was a hit list going around about these businesses. And, you know, we, we had a mutual friend who said, don't patronize any of these businesses. They were at gridlock. I'm like, look, you can be angry at a lot of idiots there. There were people there that were dumb. Uh, but even CNN said, you know, most people were social distancing at that first protest. Yep. Uh, even if they were getting out of their cars, uh, you had the counter protester with the Nazi flag. That was a counter protester that was being wrapped up into this whole thing. And I said, to, I said to this mutual friend, I said, I'm not going to target my anger about any of this at somebody who's just trying to keep their business open, who's just trying to survive. Because I'll tell you something, Eric, I've never done it. And I don't think you've done it. You've never necessarily built something from the ground up 
That is your entire livelihood. No. You and I, for our entire careers, have always worked for big companies, corporations, uh, good and bad for both of us. But that's kind of where we've always landed. You know, can you imagine being a guy, you know, you don't have any employees. You, you're a landscaper. You go cut tree limbs. And then the governor says, well, gas pumps are dangerous. So I'm going to shut you down and put you out of business. I mean, that's freaking scary, man. So, I mean, that's where I think a lot of this started. And then again, things become radicalized and things become contrarian. And when you look at some of our neighboring states, I mean, I feel like they've they've had much better communication, and much better plans than we've had in the state of Michigan. And, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think here here's where I struggle with what's going on right now. And it's centering around sort of what you were just hitting on is is it's nearly impo- it's nearly impossible to stay up to date with what's going on. It's nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't in the lack of having all the information because it's either been radicalized or it's been skewed one way or the other, or you have to triple check your work before you post a story or even read a story, that amount of work becomes really difficult to wade through. And then, you know, the other thing is there's been what 76 executive orders since the start it's, it's ridiculous right? it's ridiculous and and you've got to actually read them to understand what's going on you can get the headlines from news organizations but they can't go on television or go on a podcast or go in and just repost the the executive order you won't read it but you've got no. to read it because there's stuff in there that you need to know well, not only is there stuff you need to know, but if you if you've actually done this and I must have had too much time, and you know me, I'm, you know, I like to dig into things sometimes. Sure do. Um, and well, and my wife works in the benefits field. So, I mean, she's been having a tough time trying to keep up with her job every day. Like what's legal, what's not, who's doing what, as you know, they try to manage their systems, too. But if you look at those things and actually start reading them, they cross reference and usually negate another set of laws. So if you really want right. to know what's going on, you got to dig into the MCLs and obviously. I've got a little bit of experience with that. I work with a lot of gun rights groups in Michigan and, you know, the law is the word. I mean, I'm in a lot of groups too online where, where I think people are very reasonable because they don't take any BS. I mean, you, you have to cite something if you're going to say something. And a a lot of times people get angry and they, 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 they holler and they get bounced from some of these groups if they're, if they're well done. And I think if you would have seen that with some of these protest groups from the beginning, I I think you would have seen a much more uh, empathetic, I think there would have been much more sympathy towards a lot of these people, but it's gotten so radicalized. It's like you're either Democrat or Republican. You're you want old people to die because you want to go out and and, and get right. your hair cut. That's that's how one group is. The other group is uh, you're going to destroy America. I can't believe you're doing this. I didn't fight in the war, even though half the people who say that kind of stuff didn't fight in the war. Right. I didn't fight in the war for you to destroy my country over the flu. And I'm not saying it's the flu. But I mean, I feel like that's how we've gotten so radicalized here. And the fact that every time we have these executive orders and we have these press conferences, things just get they just they, they seem like they're more of a mess than they started out with. Well, and, and you have these you start to have these interesting um, interactions. I, I have had one that I actually I've only shared in this house, so I haven't actually shared this anywhere, but um, <clears throat> probably soon after. So that first protest was what, April 15th, like right around there. I think. Yeah. 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 I think it was April 15th. And that, again, that was the operation gridlock for the most part. Everybody's in their cars, the few people out social distancing, and you had some jackholes. Sure. Um, which could pretty much describe society, right? Yes, exactly. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, probably three days later, uh, I, we were going to do takeout at a restaurant here in Rockford and 
I we ordered it and I went to go do curbside and I got out and I put my mask on and there was three people out in front of the restaurant who were sitting there heckling people who came in with masks and I thought and they heckled me as I came in and they were pretty aggressive about it and I thought well isn't this interesting like this was before we had had any of the the tragedies surrounding you know surrounding I right. say masks but I, I walked away and went well this is this is something like you you're gonna fight me because i'm wearing a mask i don't really understand i don't understand that per se because you, that, you that doesn't really affect you at all actually <laughs> that and that's the main thing too is i think a lot of people are just they're getting so wound up about how other people want to feel and here's the here's the other side of that coin although i think you did text me that i'm like why don't you throw a brick at them they can't identify you you're wearing a mask yes because i feel you know, when the when the mask you with, clunk when, what are you doing right I'm trying. What did he look like? Well, I can only see his eyes. He had a Pearl Jam t-shirt on. Oh, because he always does. Right. <laughs> Squiggly man on the back. Mm-hmm. But I mean, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because the other side of that is, again, a lot of people are saying, look, we need to stay home. Uh, I've got somebody immunocompromised in my family. I, I, I don't want the, the government to open things up. I, I don't want to go out. You don't necessarily have to go out. You don't have to. If, if no. we decide to open things up tomorrow, you can stay home. That is, you're allowed to do that. And I feel like I may have been more callous, and, I, and I'll ask you directly. I, I, I feel like I was very callous about this, and I, I still probably am a little bit because when my mom was going through her fight against cancer, she was immunocompromised essentially the entire time. She had chemotherapy, radiation treatments, all of this stuff. She had lung cancer in both lungs. So, I mean, it was serious if she had gotten even a cold. Yeah. If she had gotten a cold, let alone the flu. And we were going through the flu season in West Michigan. And the onus was on us to protect her. The onus was on us to not. I mean, Zach couldn't go over. He was going to school. He didn't see his grandmother for like four or five months. So, I mean, I've been through a lot of this with my mom. But the onus at that point was on us. It didn't feel like it was on all of society. Now, again, I understand this is a novel coronavirus. We don't have any immunity built up. Uh, this is something that we've never seen and we don't have a vaccine for. And there's a lot of different circumstances. But I think that overall overriding thing for me was, look, you have to be responsible for yourself at the end of the day. And just because the government says you can go gamble at a casino or go to a movie doesn't mean you have to. If you feel comfortable doing it and you're in a situation where you can, you know, go do that. You know, my wife and I and our son, uh, we don't have immediate family near us that's in any type of uh, predicament where we'd have to watch out for them. I mean, we couldn't visit our father-in-law in Detroit. You know, he, he's a little bit older. He smokes a lot. He's probably one of those people that's probably in that higher risk category. But I mean, otherwise, we don't have that. So I think we would feel a little more safer doing some things that maybe people who live with a, a family member who have to care for a family member wouldn't. And that's all OK, which I think at the end of the day, we just have to remember that it's all OK. If, if you understand how you want to react or I want to react is OK, we can come at this from a much better place and not look for you know, confirmation bias in every YouTube video and chart that we find. Well, and and that's that's the struggle. And you you put up a post uh, probably an hour ago at this point um, that has some really excellent discussion around it, which is where where we actually should be is if you want to figure out how to work through this, you actually have to talk to other people and you have to talk to with people that you don't agree with to figure out how to get through this, because it's not. And this is what I said on the post and I'll say it here. Nothing that we do in life is this on-off switch. Open the whole state. Shut down the whole state. Right. That, that's not, you can't do either of those things. That's just not how it works. And so as we work to figure out what is the after, not the new normal, because it's, it's not going to be normal. It's going to be 
it's going to be different, whatever that is. Unless you're Swedish. Well, but even in Sweden, like you said, <laughs> even in Sweden, you're seeing stories now of people that aren't leaving the house and they're still having economic ramifications of the people who are just staying right. home and sheltering in place without government intervention mm-hmm. um, because it, the onus is on them. And we'll, you know, time will tell if that was the right call. Um, because, you know, you see conflicting stories that they are going to have a balloon of deaths show up that will show that this was a bad idea. But as you look right now, and I pulled the Johns Hopkins numbers before we did this, they're at about mm-hmm. 12%, right? Which is sort of where we are. Um, and so you can start to, ha- again, to your confirmation bias, you can just go, I'm going to do terrible science, pseudoscience, and go, see, we shouldn't do we should all go out and do whatever. But that's not really, right. how, that's not how this works. You've got to actually do more research, right? You're seeing, you posted the thing from New York, which is what started it, is that they're showing that people who are staying at home are the large majority of people in this single group of people that they tested that right. were getting the coronavirus. Now, that is something interesting and worth talking about, but it's only one study. Now, if you get a couple of those, now we have a conversation. We have a conversation about cardboard boxes, and we have a conversation about shopping at grocery stores, and da 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 you know? Right. Well, or, or I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that go into that situation. Here's the thing I, I really found interesting about that whole post. And it's something we haven't really seen, I don't feel like, from our governor or our president. And that was um, Governor Cuomo in New York going, I was surprised by this. I did not think this was going to be the case. Uh, he wasn't necessarily wrong, per se, but he was admitting, I thought this would be an entirely different result from what we were doing. Yeah. And I thought that was unique in the way that it was just blunt and straightforward. And I don't know how much you've been watching him on uh, CNN, Fox News, whatever. He's garnered a lot of respect in New York State, even though they're hit so damn hard. Yeah. And they're going through this rougher than anybody is because he he goes out and he tells it like it is in his mind. Now, I disagree with him in some fronts, uh, but I also think that that was very noteworthy for him to admit. I didn't think these were going to be the results from what we did. And that shows we have to keep going forward and evaluating. And that was my big takeaway from it. And it was funny you mentioned that post because then you had everybody swooping in with their sides of the argument. And yeah. My my biggest thing, my biggest thing, and my biggest takeaway is like we've got to be able to admit when we need to pivot. I mean, or you, at least or be open to it, right? Like th- this could right. be, this could be to quote the Mandalorian, right? This could be the way, or it could not be the way. We we don't actually know. I forget. There's an old movie, man. I should have looked this up. I was thinking about this the other day. Have you ever seen that movie like that? Like the virus takes over the country and the guy puts all the plastic up and he he isolates himself in the house and the army comes through town and it's very tense. It's a thriller. God, what was not that outbreak? No, okay. no. This is a very it had a very indie vibe to okay. it. I remember watching it really late at night one night. It was like on, it was on premium cable. And what's really funny is at the end of the movie. Like the tanks are rolling through town and, and somebody left his house like he had somebody there. I don't know if it was like a gardener or something. Somebody left. He's like, I got to go see my family. And the guy sealed himself back up in the house because of the virus. And then at the, the end of the movie, I, I'm going to spoil it because I can't remember the damn name. So it can't be that popular. But I'm going to spoil it. It's like, dude, you've isolated yourself in the house and you were infected. We can't let you out. So then the army starts like drilling oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, boarding yeah, up his windows yeah, and yeah. shit, man. Yes. It's freaky. Yeah, 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 yeah. yes. Like they just start, they just like, they're like, sorry, dude. And they get the drills out and you're like, Holy yeah, what man. is that? Yeah. I forget what that's, but, I know but what I mean, you're talking about. Yeah. And, and, and 
I don't, I don't want to extrapolate this situation to that because that's ridiculous. And I understand that's ridiculous, but I, I certainly do think we need to understand that it's okay to go outside, that being outside is a natural disinfectant. Uh, you, you've got to do spacing, you've got to do distancing. But what's happened here is we've seen, uh, you know, our leaders, especially in Michigan, push people to the point where they're like resisting just to be contrarian. Yeah. I mean, you, well, see, I, you, you saw what happened in Grand Haven last weekend, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, people were, were lined up because they wanted a hot dog. Right. I mean, and you love some hot dogs, but I'm not getting that close to somebody right now. No. And that's my choice. And that's OK. And if I want to wear a mask, that's OK. If you don't and you keep distant from me, that's OK, too. I mean, that's I think that's where we got to really come from in this situation, because I we can't do this until there's a vaccine. I, I do know that. And I know a lot of people will ask that question. Well, how many lives are you willing to trade? I'm not willing to trade any lives. But I also think we have to be very cognizant of what this is doing to our mental health and what it's doing to people well, right now having to stay in their house and have this type of uncertainty hanging over their lives. I think it's a very privileged place when people talk about the fact, just stay inside, watch Netflix. I grew up broke. I can't imagine going yeah. through this when I was a kid and what my mom would have been going through, not knowing where the paycheck's coming from, not knowing if unemployment's going to go through, not knowing if the guy that owns the building is going to have to sell the building. We didn't live in nice places. That's the other thing too, is like cancel rent for 12 months. Dude, that guy's got bills too, man. Yeah. I mean, not everybody's a million. Not, I, I feel like there, there's a lot of society that thinks if somebody's doing a little bit better off than you, then they might as well be Jeff Bezos. They might as well have a billion dollars because they're doing better than me. So why can't they help me out? And I, that's just not how things work, man. Everybody's got bills. Everybody's got things going on. And, and the give, 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 you know, yeah, it's a good idea in theory, but there's a lot of unintended consequences. And we've seen a lot of that here in the state of Michigan. You know, and, and we, yes, and and you when you say stuff like d just do this with the rent or do that, like that's what I'm talking about, like this this on off mentality that if we just do X, that solves everything. What I've been saying is my understanding, the way that sort of I I justify what's going on in my head is if you just put two giant freight trains on the same track and set them going at each other like it's a math equation, which is what we have. We have coronavirus mm -hmm. on one side and our economy on the other. And they are going, they have crashed into one another and that's where we are. Right. And you've got to figure out how you're going to move one or the other of these in order to go one way or the other, because you, ha you can't fix them at the same time, but you do have to fix both of them. Oh, that's a, that's a great way to put it. I mean, you, you have to fix both of them somehow. And that's not because I want to trade an old person's life. I'm no. not doing that. Uh, look, look, I'm I'm an overweight dude. I'm in a high risk category. Am I as high risk as a 70 year old with cancer? No, but I don't necessarily want to go out there and catch this thing and have to fight through it and hope for the best. It's got great survival rate, great survival rate. Uh, but I mean, I don't want to necessarily have to deal with it and no, and not know how that's going to affect my family. I mean, uh, we, we spoke of Governor Cuomo a couple of minutes ago. Chris Cuomo, very privileged. He's got a lot of money. He was on CNN. He's uh, doing his newscast every night and he he catches coronavirus. You know what else happened to him? Every single member of his family caught it because they were sheltering in place. And even though he was quarantining himself in what I'm sure was a very nice basement, a nice big area where he's separate from his family, everybody catches it. So those are the kind of things we got to look at and be aware of as, you know, we just tell everybody to sit down and shut up. I don't think that's the best way to go about the situation. And again, like I said, we've had we've had neighboring states that seem to have much better timelines laid out now whether or not those will work or they'll have to pull back at some point i feel like a lot of these other governors have like given there's been there's been two ways governors have dealt with this and and we've we've had the doom and gloom we're gonna die governor i'm sorry i don't care how you 
want to, I don't care how you want to, you know, frame this situation. And that has been her way to go at it, man. We're going to look at it. Look at this chart. Look at this chart. It keeps going up. Chart can't ever go down. People are, I, it's terrible, but people are going to keep getting added to the chart. So you've had that, that flavor. And that's been here in Michigan. And then you've had other states that have said, okay, here's our timeline. We want to open this up. We want to open this up. You can be 50% to do this. You can go outside to do this. And I'm going to tell you what, for the psyche of the public, that is a much better strategy, in my opinion, than trying to scare people to death. I think if you tell people, yeah, we're going to open up your hair salons eventually, but with social distancing, but we want to make sure everybody's separated. We need to make sure the hairdressers, and I'm just choosing this as an example because yeah, yeah, it gets yeah. thrown out and it is kind of one of the most ridiculous examples because there aren't people protesting because they want a haircut. There's a lot more behind it. But let's say that's your that's your beef and that's what you want. There's a way to present all of this and give people a timeline for it. And I don't feel like that's happened in Michigan a whole lot. Do you? No, I mean, the clarity or lack thereof. And when you've got 76 executive orders and to your point, when one law is out, you know, crossing through another law. Right. I'm crossing this one out mm-hmm. and adding this one. Um, it makes it very hard to 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 follow along and, and see the work that's done. Not that I'm saying it's not difficult work. This is this is the other thing is this whole thing is very difficult to manage. And, and we don't know. We're making suppositions based on other states as if that's the better way. And that's not necessarily true either. But it's worth and this is why, you know, I was excited to talk to you. Like it's worth discussing these things and not yelling about them. Right. I don't have to agree with everything that you say. You don't have to agree with everything that I say. But I I do think that one of the ways that we get through this is by going, okay, well, what if this and somebody smarter Mm -hmm. than me can tell me, well, no, that can't work because blah. So, for example, um, our dog groomer is closed, but doggy daycare is open. And for doggy daycare, I pull up in the parking lot. I take my dog out on a leash. They swap it with another leash and take the dog inside. They get to stay open. My dog gets to go exercise with other dogs. Is that safe? I don't know. It felt safe, but I don't re- I don't know. Right. Well, and and here's and here's the thing where where people would say, isn't that ridiculous that the same dude who comes out to pick up your dog is the guy that can cut his hair, but he's not allowed to because of some arbitrary law or rule that's been made. And that's that's essentially what's happening is there, there's a lot of things happening where people go, how is it safe for me to be inside a giant Walmart? But my local store, I can't go into. And the arbitrariness, I think, is fair. I think it's fair to discuss the arbitrary nature of it, is that Lowe's can stay open, for example, but Ken's Ace Hardware can't. Well, the other thing, too, is like you can see some of these smaller businesses were just getting hit like crazy because they could do they and they can't handle it because of the restrictions that have been put on and like half of Lowe's being shut down or whatever it was. I think the other check and balance that's in this situation, too. And again, I don't want to get too much into politics. I, I think the that's first 30 why. minutes of this was. was oh, <laughs> man. But here's the thing. I mean, I think also I think she needed to work with the legislature a lot more and actually have the emergency powers extended and figure things out and actually compromise and or explain it. Like you say, like if a legislator's going, I got people in my district that want to know this. Explain why. Don't just tell us it's good for us. Explain why. And I think the whole thing where she kind of stepped past the legislature is on very questionable ground at this point. Well, one of the things uh, that I, I thought was interesting, and I, w- I was talking to Bob Fish from Bigby, and I didn't realize this, that one of the reasons that restaurants became essential was to take the pressure off the grocery cho- stores. Right. Yes. So there was, well, a, yeah, I mean- there, there was a real example of, okay, we've just... we close the lid on this and mm, the lid's too tight. So we've got to open it up because we can't make everybody go to the grocery store. Cause that won't work either. So let's try this. 
hundred percent. I mean, I mean, th- and well, and think about some of the most vulnerable in our population. I mean, I know as my mom got older, there was a lot less grocery shopping and cooking going on in her house. Yep. There was a lot more going to get food. And I think, you know, in those situations, that's, that's why you want to, you want to leave some space. And I don't feel like Michigan has gotten enough space to try to do the right thing. So you've got people pushing back pretty, pretty hard. And it's just kind of a crazy situation to think about right now as what are we officially extended to? Are you, here's my question to you. Here's the million dollar question. We're officially stay at home until the 28th. Are you going to stay at home until the 28th? How yeah. much is this going to affect you going forward? It won't affect me at all. You know, like, no. and again, like whatever you guys want to do is what you want to do. But to your point, like I have some of those concerns in my household. So I'm here till the 28th. You know, I'm here till, mm-hmm. you know, till I can see a path forward that doesn't in that is safe for everybody within reason. Right. I mean. Mm. The, the cold isn't safe for everybody. The flu isn't safe for everybody. So within reason, and it's not like I'm going to stay in my house till there's a vaccine. That's not what I mean. But we've we've got a system now. So this this doesn't to, to go back to your earlier point, probably a half hour ago. This doesn't affect me the same way it affects somebody whose entire livelihood is built into their small business. And I have great empathy for that human being, and will do whatever I can to help that person. But mm-hmm. this doesn't this stay at home order doesn't necessarily affect me in that way. So I'm saying whatever you got to do, you do that thing. But to me, it doesn't it's not going to change what we're doing right now. How do you feel your kids are handling this? You've got younger kids. Dude, than they, I do. they think it's like summer vacation. <laughs> they are so nonplussed about this. I wish I wish I was I wish I was them most every day. Right. It's yeah. You know, our days are the weather's nice. Right. So the days are playing outside and, you know, doing some schoolwork, although, uh, you know, tiny bit of schoolwork because there's just not that much to do for a second grader so yeah no they they're totally fine you know and i i think you know what honestly if i'm being honest for a second i think the other side is going to be way harder is when we're not around 24 7 because this is if there's one thing that i am you you were you used the word privileged earlier i will change it to blessed i mean 60 days in a house with my kids with well, that, right. that shit ain't going to happen ever again, ever. Oh, for you sure. Know? So, yeah. I, you know, I look, I, I tend to lean into that stuff and stay away from the like, let's argue about stuff because I go, well, I mean, I've got, I'm okay. My family's mm-hmm. okay. And I get to have saturated time with my kids. You know, how can, I'm good. How can I help the rest of everybody else? Right. right? Yeah. And I, I can see that for sure. And I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of time with my son. He's a little bit older. He's 12. I, I just think for his sake, at some point, we have to get back to a situation yeah. oh. where we interact <laughs> yes. in yeah. a way uh, um, with other kids. A million percent. And, and not just worry about what's and, and I'm I'm very blessed in the same way you are in a different way where, you know, he's very he's very self-motivated. He's very smart. You know, the schoolwork has not broken him down the way I'm, it's breaking down some kids and we're seeing online. And, and that's, you know, that's a blessing. And I'm not judging those other parents. That's has nothing to do with me. That's entirely his mother. And he's smart and he, he does all those things. But I mean, at a certain point, he can't just play online with his friends. I feel like we, we, we need to see some friends. We need to we need to have some family over. We need to do something along those lines. And I feel like around here, it's going to be sooner than later uh, just because of our situation. Now, again, we, we're not dealing with necessarily anybody that's uh, going to be immunocompromised to a high degree. So we, we have to kind of judge that. But also, if we want to see some of our family, they're from Detroit. Still a very high right, rate of right. infection. That's a, that's a different so, discussion, I mean, right? 
it's an entirely different discussion, but it's definitely something to, to be had. But, uh, you know, it, it could be a thousand times worse. If this happens to you and I when we're my son's age, what the what the hell are we doing? Yeah. Like, seriously, what are we doing? We're not online playing with friends. No, I mean, yeah, you might have had a Nintendo, maybe, but that would be right. like, but that's well, you're it. a little older than I am. I had a Genesis. Eric's a couple years older. Yes. I was playing lots of Pong uh, and drinking tab soda. That's a, right. That's exactly. what I was doing back, exactly. back in the first the first virus that we had. You were around during the Spanish flu. Yes, I was around during the Spanish flu. Whereas Tell us about your experience digging the trenches to stay away from the Spanish flu. Yes. Dug a hole around my house to keep the flu away. Okay, so, so I, did, we I did the same thing now as I just dug a hole around my house. Just, there's a keep moat. COVID away. It's like Ken, don't ask me if I'm leaving. I have to get. I a built a moat. I can't. I mean, I need like you a bridge at this point. Fill this in. The, the, the HOA of... was fine if I put a Rockford Ram sticker on the bridge. <laughs> Do you know what kind of contractor I need to put a bridge back in? Right. Here? Exactly. So here's an interesting thing. Speaking about age a little bit. So you were asking me what happened uh, last oh, week. Oh, yeah, yeah. I you put up a photo of, and you looked like you were in the hospital, which turns out. You, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was. So he, here's the here's the weird thing. And here's the thing we have to think about with uh, this whole lockdown situation and what's going on. You've probably seen like a lot of these articles where doctors are going, um, we're not seeing cancer patients. Yes. We're yeah, not yeah, seeing yes. strokes. Yeah. And heart we're attacks not seeing heart and, attacks. Yeah is the big one. They're like, heart attacks are way down. And doctors are like, they're not way down. People right. are just dying. Yeah. Like, so last week I was having like some weird chest pains. Like, I was like, what is going on here? I don't know what's going on. Have you ever had this before? Like had chest pains yet as, 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 as an aged man, so to speak. As a million year old. Have you had, no, I have right. not no, had that yet. No, no. Well, here's, here's an interesting thing about, I don't know, a couple of years back, I actually had uh, a similar situation. It was a muscle pull on my, uh, on my right side and it was just in my chest and I had never really done that. I had to go in and they do a quick blood test depending on where you go. They can do it and hey, you got to sit here. We got to make sure that wasn't like when I did it before, it's like, hey, you're almost 40. So we better do this quick blood test. So they do the blood test. You sit there and then you got to sit there while they do another one and make sure it comes down. So this time I kind of had a different feeling and it was in a different spot of my chest. And all I could think about all day is like all these articles where like you're seeing these these doctors like, man, right. We're just they're dropping dead heart attacks and they're yeah. not going in to be seen. And I look at my wife, I go, I go, I don't know. This thing's not going away. I don't know. Should I go in? She's like, would you go in if it wasn't like coronavirus? I go, probably. I go, but it's like coronavirus time. I don't know if I want to go in. So then at that point, and I learned this later, I was probably working myself up. Right. Yeah. The anxiety yeah. Anxiety I had was yep. just making things worse. And I was feeling tight. I'm like, oh, is this thing in the neck? What's that? What's that going on? So eventually I end up in urgent care. And I go there, and, and this was a Spectrum Urgent Care. They did th everything great. I mean, they had, like, curbside check-in. They give you a little mask. You go in. So I felt great at the Urgent Care. Like, they were really chill about it. They're like, hey, this is, you know, it's a good thing you came in. Your age, you know, this, I don't think that's too bad. Your EKG's a little off. He's like, are you a little anxious? I'm like, who answers no to that question right now? What no, man, I'm calm as a cucumber. Yeah. What sociopath walks into any office right now, goes, hey, a little anxious right now? Nah, I'm great. This is the best time of my life. This is awesome. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little anxious. So like, yeah, blood pressure's a little high. I'm like, you think? So they're like, okay, so you got to go to Spectrum downtown to do this thing. And I'm like, really? And he's like, really? like the dude had to talk me into it. Because I'm like, I don't want to go down there. Right. They're like, it's not that bad, man. They split everybody up. It's, you know, I'm going to send you right in, blah, 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 blah. So I get downtown to Spectrum. They do not split everybody up. You, you feel like you're walking. Remember when E.T. was captured? Yes. And, every, and yeah. there was plastic everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't see faces. And, and he got really. I understand why E.T. was dying in there. Because that is the most 
anxiety inducing situation I've been in maybe in my life is being in an emergency room during all of this. And I don't think there were that many people actually in the emergency room, but everybody is, is dressed in such a way and, and it is, is gowned up and you know, they, they, they come in and their, their names are on their respirators cause they don't want to lose them. And every, it, it was just, it's, it's an insane situation. And I mean, literally my blood pressure was through the roof. They're like, is your blood pressure usually high? I'm like, it can get high. It's never like this. Right. There's a lot going on, man. That's, that's all I know. There's a, there's a lot going on. They're like, okay, you got to put the mask on and blah, blah, blah. So I do the thing. I don't know if I've ever been more stressed. Like all the, all the monitor did the two hours I was there was just beat because of my blood pressure. <laughs> Cause it was just through the roof the whole time. Right. Like it literally was just through the roof. The nurses, they yell at you from the door and I don't, please don't take this as me criticizing what was happening there. It's just simply how it happens now. Basically, the nurses yell at you through the door because they can't get with close enough to you without having to gear all up and basically spend another set of gear. What they don't want to do is keep spending PPE. Sure. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Because every time they put a gown on, they, they walk out of the room and they strip it off, throw it away, essentially. So they don't want to have to keep. So the best way for them to do anything if they don't have to actually touch you or be near you is to just yell at you from the door, which, again, if you're like in the middle of like possibly an anxiety attack, heart attack, ah, it's probably not the best medicine, but it's what we got to do now. So eventually uh, they get my test back. They're like, yeah, it's probably a, just a different muscle pull. I'm like, okay. I was like ready to run out of that hospital at that point. <laughs> I was just ready to run out of the hospital. I'm literally like pulling my own IV right, out. I'm like, like, I need a band-aid. Like, I'm pulling my, this thing Keep out. my clothes. I just need to right, get me exactly. out of here. <laughs> I ran out of there nude. So, I mean, that, that was the situation. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm glad to know I, you know, I wasn't having a heart attack. It was just a, it didn't feel like necessarily something too serious, but you know, the, the doctors have told me, well, you probably wound yourself up to a certain point. You've got really high blood pressure. Your anxiety's probably through the roof. And you know, these, we're seeing these kind of things. And they told me, Hey, it's good that you came in. I'm like, okay, I'm glad I came in, I guess. But I'm glad we I, saw I will you. tell you what, holy crap, man. And then for like the next two days, I'm like just super hyper aware of the fact that I was in a hospital. Right. You know, I can't even imagine what those healthcare workers go through. I can't at all. I can't at no, all. So no. it's, it's, it's a really, it's, it was a really weird dynamic for me to be in there and kind of in that environment. And just, I, I just felt the stress that was in there. Now there was some levity and they know what they're doing, but I mean, the stress in there is just, it's, it's ridiculous right now. And you, you've got to be really hyper aware of what, what these healthcare workers and these frontline workers are going through in these situations when they're, when they're gowning up and they're, they're, donning this PPE just to go to work every day. You know, I know, I know some people in the healthcare industry, they're stripping in garages, they're living in RVs, they're doing things like that. So I, I, I will tell you, man, I don't know. It, it was not a fun experience. Um, so I just want people to know that, you know, if, if you've got, if you've got something going on though, I don't want to scare you away because they, the doctors are saying, Hey, like the, the, the doctor at the urgent care was like super, like, he's like, man, I'm really glad you came. Like there's too many people that aren't sure about this stuff and they're not coming in and we're afraid. I mean, he, he kind of basically said, we're afraid we're losing people out there. Well, and, and I, I think even though so, what you got is, isn't that serious, but some of it comes from, like I said we're earlier, glad you came it, in. it comes from this, you know, the misinformation that this, you know, you shouldn't, you should stay home. And, you know, and, um, I, I think to your point, like you, you've got in, in some way, shape or form, especially when it comes to your health. And this is the thing that you're going to see this with, 
dentistry, right? As people aren't taking, you know, we're two months in and who knows, yeah. right? Like uh, orthodontics and those, even those small things, you're going to see all of that stuff take giant leaps backwards in patients who haven't been able to upkeep or things have broken or, or whatever. Um, that's going to be kind of the, my opinion, right? Like that's going to be what you're going to see in the in-between this phase two, if there is a phase two of it bouncing back is all of these people that now have to get seen for things that they put off for 90 days because they were told to stay at home. And so they did. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure some of the stress of the situation too is feeding into these things. Like I, I, you know, I I told my wife, I've woken up with a sore jaw every once in a while. I used to have a little bit of a TMJ issue back when I was in radio, uh, back in the early days. So I know my jaw is like slightly misaligned. And it would cost a lot to kind of get it done. So every time it gets a little sore, I, you know, I call the dentist. Hey, take take a look at things. Like, my dentist isn't open right now. Right. I wake up, I was probably grinding my teeth because of anxiety because of what's going on. You know, I can't get that checked out. You know, my wife's got, uh, you know, uh, uh, issue with her back that she was getting worked on. And she was making great oh, progress. Right. Yeah, and yeah. basically, yeah, everything, you know, she's not been able to go to her, her orthopedic therapist. And everything's kind of reverted back. You know, it's really not good for your back working from home at a kitchen table. Yeah, on the on those chairs that aren't designed to do work for nine hours a day. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I give her workplace a ton of credit, man. They are ergonomically on top of things. I used to go in there like super jealous. I mean, you and I worked in radio where they 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 handed you a folding chair and said, "Good luck, buddy." Well, that's you. It's funny you say that because my wife's desk is a folding chair. This one I'm sitting on is a drum throne because it's all just, there. You it's go. Just what we have, you know. Drum throne. Jesus Christ! Our dr- drummers are like something else, man. <laughs> it's what it's oh, called. Yeah. It is what I it's called. Gotta I sit on my drum throne. I mean, I got my kitten. I got my kitten. Are we playing it sometime during the I podcast? Mean, sure, could... I could set it up if you want me to. It's totally fine. <laughs> I just imagine you spinning that bitch around like, yeah, oh, look, it's set up. I didn't know it was set I up. just crack off a few here. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, so, um, you obviously. So here's a question. Musically. Yeah. yeah. We have a Foo Fighters concert in October. Are you going? October. Yeah. So I'll t- let me say two things. The- if it's in October, yeah, I'm going. I don't know that it will be, right? I don't know what that looks really? like. I don't know. I Because it just seems, again, we have so few infor- so little information about this. That stuff seems crazy to me. If we're, st- if we're still in the end of May having discussions about me going to Ken, the salon owner, to get my hair cut is a no-go. Right. But we're going to do 14,000 people with Dave Grohl. Like, that seems like a giant leap to me. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. When's your next vacation planned? Uh, well, all of my vacations were planned right around here, and they've all been canceled, so we don't have any. Okay. Um, so because yeah. we we've got one family trip in August at this point, and we have to decide by the end of this month if we want to try to go and get like a, our refund for the, the the house and all that stuff. So I, I find that as like kind of an interesting discussion that we're going to have to have because I guarantee your brother and sister are going to want to go because they they're in Detroit. They want to get there out of there yeah and you 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 at this point you don't want to i feel like i want to go more than my wife does so i guess we're going to find out as we kind of get closer but i mean every everything's changing in a weird way i was going to say everything's changing quickly except it's really not changing quickly but no but we never know what's going to happen that's what i'm saying it's like it's this pendulum that just swings and if we're if we're saying to your point about the like arbitrary nature of some of this is like if all the way through Memorial Day, I can't get a haircut and I'm like, I am not protesting on behalf of that's not what I mean. But like, if that's the thing, I can't sit mm-hmm. in a chair with another human being. But I can go to the big house and watch a football game like that seems like. 
Well, it sounds like Michigan's going to try to cancel that. I mean, that'll that'll stop their yearly whooping from Ohio State, so that'll be nice for them. It's a nice little <laughs> yes. caveat there. Not where I wanted that to go, but my point is, no, I'm just that saying. Seems like it seems like a large a large leap. Um, but okay, to so your, here to, to answer your question, I would go at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, at at some point, we have to we have to do something at some point. And if it feels safe, and I feel like we have done some work and I don't know what that looks like. I don't know. Do they, is it two shows and the arenas split to five and five? I don't know what that looks like. Right. Because that's the same questions that you have about restaurants and the same questions you have about movie theaters and concert venues is like, do I, do I want it? Is this what I want to do? Cause I'm not it's, sure this is what I want to do. Well, not to get too deep in the weeds with concerts though, that, that profit margin is much more dependent though on that arena being very full. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can run theaters at half capacity. You can run restaurants at half capacity and scale staffing accordingly. Can't necessarily do that at Van Andel Arena. You need, for the most part, those shows need a lot of people there, like seven, eight, nine, ten thousand. Uh, you can't, you can't split that arena to half capacity, even. And I don't even know if that would be enough if we're talking about a situation for large gatherings to, to satisfy that. But even at half capacity, you and I both know just from working uh, with a lot of promoters and working with the people at the arena line, that's not going to cut it for almost everything they do. I, I Again, and, and I, uh, yes, but obviously it can't just go back to the way it was, right? Or can it? I'm not sure. I'm, here's an interesting thing. Um, you know, my, my sister, she's an ER nurse. So she's kind of been at the front of this whole deal. And I've been texting her back and forth and we, you know, on Facebook and all that stuff. And I found this really interesting. I actually got her permission to, to bring this up before I brought it up because I didn't necessarily know if she wanted it out there. But she has a daughter. Uh, so that's my niece who's graduating this year. And obviously for 2020 seniors, this has been bullshit. Yeah, it's this been, has been. Yeah, this, this has been garbage. This yep. has been there's nothing you can tell them. There's nothing. I don't care how many pictures you share from when you were a senior. I don't give, you know, this is there's nothing really you can do for them. But I found it really interesting. Not only is she an ER nurse, her wife is also a nurse. And they have decided that they're going to throw a prom for the kids at the end of June, the end of June. So if we're looking at today and what is it? The seventh, I think. Yes. I mean, yep. Yeah, seventh. They're essentially planning a prom in seven weeks, which I think is really, really interesting considering they're both medical professionals and considering my sister's been in the front of this thing since it started. It's kind of interesting to think about the fact that, you know, it's a prom. You can't social distance at a prom, Eric. Right. So they're, they're it's the, renting it's the, the opposite of social distancing. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So you can't you can't rent a hall and have a prom and have people socially distant. That's not going to work. So I, th I thought it was really interesting to kind of see that somebody who's been dealing with this and been on kind of the front lines of it is going, look, these are the kids. They need this. I don't feel like it's going to be a danger to bring them together at this point. Now, again, she's in Ohio. They seem to have handled this a lot better. I mean, think about it. They got three major metropolitan cities and, and they're they're like a tenth of our cases. If I remember last time I looked, because when I heard she was doing this, too, I'm like, what the hell is Ohio doing? What is it? They've done great, actually. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if they don't have the testing we do or what's going on, but they've handled it pretty well considering they have you know, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Columbus to deal with there. But I think that's really interesting to have basically two people in your family that have been dealing with this from the get, and they're deciding that, you know what, the end of June's fine. That's what, We need to start moving forward. We need to start thinking about the ways to get things back to where they need to be.
And like I said, that that's the that's what I'm interested in is what give me those stories and how do we how do we move through this? And it, to go back to your question, if that's what we're doing in October, that we're just doing arenas full of people because we figured something out. Cool. All right. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to go, then don't go. And again, that's and that's the that's the thing at the end of the day is if you don't want to go and you don't want to send your daughter there, you don't want to send your son there. You don't have to. But I, I think at a certain point, you have to give people the choice. And I think we're going to see more things like this where parents and, and people that own businesses and, and are doing all these things, they're they're going to err on the side of choice. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're trying to kill old people. It's just at a certain point, you know. You're gonna you're gonna have this thing come to a head, and I told I told you that from day one, and I, I said, look, man, this is gonna come to a head. This is not the society we built. I mean, we're we're essentially a society built on people that got pissed about t taxes. That's 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 how we started. Yeah, that's how this whole thing started. So you have to keep that mindset in place as you kind of move forward here. So let's um let's sort of shift gears a little bit because you you mentioned on Monday this is the uh, your media quarantine is officially over. Yeah, um, well, see, I was really excited because uh, come March I was officially like out of my non compete window in, in in the in the most clear and 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 concise way. Like th- there's a lot of legalities and we're not going to bore people with like I'll cut it, I get a gun over here and maybe done this thing and th- basically once I hit March, boom, free and clear. I can go get a job. Didn't really work. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so it, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, I don't know. You, you, you programmed SNX when it was most successful uh, for a very long time. Um, and you and I have both seen some recent uh, trends. And obviously, this, this whole thing is, I'm, we're not trying to lay blame or judge probably what's going on right now. Uh, but I, I, I want to know, how do you feel kind of being outside of the industry looking at what's going on because what I what I've seen and I'm still obviously a little inside and what's going on I've seen a lot of bravado about reach and about the fact that you know radios being used more than ever inside the home my toilets being used more than ever inside the home we're all at home I mean you've got to really take these things with with a grain of salt and figure it out um what do you think from the outside looking in are are are, is this is this the one thing that's really going to push it to the point where people are going, I don't know if I need radio because the thing I haven't heard is anybody going to sit in their car or digging out an AMFM radio for information on this thing. Yeah, so the apps obviously are designed to kind of bridge that gap, whether or not they do. I don't see data, so I don't know if that bridges the gap. But here's what I would say is um, as somebody who was legitimately on the air as in I had an open microphone when 9-11 happened it doesn't feel like that no no you and I were but we were in different ends of the building remember that yeah you know you and I were the two telling everybody um we need to stop playing goddamn Nelly or whatever the hell was on the air at the time nothing against Nelly I love Nelly um it's one of my favorite gently used rappers so we were like the two guys in the building like "Uh, there's something going on I don't know let's just let the news station handle it um, so I think our instincts were actually really good back then, but yeah, this does, this doesn't feel like that at all. And even the apps and this oh, smart speakers and the listen to and blah, 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 people aren't jumping at that for information. What, what I found really interesting is I feel like at the very start of this thing, a lot of companies that were traditionally based in radio and obviously everybody's a media company now, but that, you know, their base was radio. Sure. They, they were doing pretty well with information outside of that, that traditional transmitter. Like, how useful is that stick? It feels like once this all went down, that stick became almost irrelevant. 
It was your other avenues of penetration and it was your content creators that were going to get you through this. Not the fact that somebody can tune in on their car. I mean, I, I love Jacob's Media. Uh, I know that you followed a lot of their stuff too. Saw an article from them last week. People might be driving more. This could be a great sign for radio because they're stuck in their cars because they don't want to ride a bus. Is that where we are? in hoping as an industry that we get people stuck in their cars and that's why they want to engage with our product. Right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And like I said, I like one of the things that I always thought radio had a, a power to do was connect on a local level. Now, now here in Grand Rapids and I can't speak for the nation, but here in Grand Rapids, that's just not really the case in sort of a, broad strokes sort of way right because lots of the stuff is piped in from other places um and your connectivity to being hyper local is not really what it used to be and that was its to in my opinion that was its superpower um and the Certainly. way you know in the way in which it could stay top of mind and relevant if you go back throughout media history and I'm, i've always been this person that's not the guy that's like this medium is dead and that medium is dead because that again to go back to the on off switch that's also sort of short-sighted it's the ones that understand how to exist in the space will continue to operate and the ones that are the b players or the c players are the ones that that go the way of the dinosaur but if you look back in history radio has been there a lot of times um mm -hmm. and, and i just haven't felt now I, Full disclosure, since I left in 2014, I've listened to maybe nine minutes of total radio since I've left. Um, so it's not a it's not a medium I use on a regular basis, but I still don't feel with those around me who use it a lot more than I do that they're relying on it as this beacon in the darkness to kind of get them through. Now, I've seen some stories that that is how people are getting through. And I think that's yeah. awesome if that's what you're going to do. But by and large, uh, I think you're seeing more people tuning back honestly i think more people are tuning back into television this is tv's big moment yeah, man you're back TV into television. in a way we've never seen well and then the other strange thing and i don't know if you follow this guy so this might be a little bit of a a sideways um backtrack sort of thing but there's a photographer on youtube named peter mckinnon who's got millions and millions and millions of followers and two weeks ago was interviewing one of the heads of the health department in Canada on his YouTube channel. This is something that if you were trying to reach younger people in Canada in 1998 or early 2000, you would be using a radio station to do that. Oh, for but sure. They're it, using a YouTube content creator to do that because he's got better reach to the actual well, and, people and, that they want to talk to. And that's the thing is like initially, I think what was I supposed I was supposed to do 50 with you, right? That was like episode a good 50. Number. Yes. Yeah. 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 We're yeah. doing 80 well, now instead. So it's a good yeah. number. Yeah. 80 is a good one. Uh, I don't know. Feels like eh, 50 feels like an accomplishment. 80 is like, eh, Jesus, probably won't dude, make it I've done 30 of these since we've been in quarantine. 80 <laughs> is a good number. <laughs> so, but no, I, I remember because I, I specifically was thinking going into that because we had talked about doing it back then. I was specifically thinking like, look, radio has got this time to shine. There's the content creators. Those are the people that are connecting. And I, I, I've told you this before. I, I feel like the content creators and the relationships that were built within radio, if they could have just been uh, nurtured and explored in the right ways, uh, radio would be unstoppable. And that's because we've seen the things that radio personalities were great at being done really well. And that initial wave of what was going on and the content I was seeing on Facebook, the content I was seeing on Twitter, 
Twitter, uh, the content I was seeing on station websites was really, really good. I, I think those people, uh, and I say those people because I'm not in the biz right now, those people can do it better than almost anybody. But you're seeing everybody kind of encroach into that space. Uh, WZZM 13, locally here in Grand Rapids, they do these, uh, these restaurant visits. Well, they were doing them uh, beforehand. Again, I'm watching these people basically encroach into areas that radio has the people to be the best at that were never given the leverage and never really given the room to kind of work in that space. And I'm seeing everybody take bites out of what is essentially relationships. And that's the relationship that people have with the audience. And I don't think, I don't think anybody had done it better than radio. And I think radio was really kind of shining at the beginning, but then obviously the economy did what it did and we're seeing layoffs and we're seeing, I, I'm, I was very disheartened and I'm not going to, I'm not going to put any certain companies on blast. I don't want to do that. I've got a lot of friends still in the industry, but I was very disheartened to see a couple of different press releases and to basically see this ticker tape of who's getting let go and realize a lot of times of oh, the digital content creator is gone. Oh, the head of digital, the PD of digital. Uh, this guy was doing this air shift, but was also doing digital. Like what, in the, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? That's your channel right now. That's people aren't getting in their cars to listen to the goddamn stick. They're elsewhere. You and I had this, this argument earlier, right? Is that, um, here in town, I'd always thought it was it was an interesting, and this is, you know, I'm going to get laughed off the internet for saying this, but I always thought it would have been an interesting play to do something to cross-promote SNX and HOT. And before you click off this, just or po- shut this podcast off, chill out for a second. Understanding that radio's competition isn't other radio stations. Mm-hmm. That's not your competition. It's but that's li- it's literally everything else. It's not another radio station because to, you and I both know this. And if you're not in the industry, th- you know, the playlists are nearly identical at this point. They've been sanded down and, and graded to the point that they know exactly how many times they need to play Taylor Swift a week. So that part of the job is is done by a computer and it's no longer fun. The music part of Top 40 Radio, which is where I spent all of my time, is not fun right. anymore because someone else is doing it or a robot's doing it. What's fun is the stuff in between the records. And so right. if the the mainstay product, the, the thing that you do most during the day for the 24 hours, which is the music, because you're only talking in between songs, is sort of irrelevant because it's the same on both places. It's McDonald's and Burger King. What are the opportunities that you could do some sort of cross-pollination in order to say... Much like what happened with the news stations in Detroit and the news stations in Grand Rapids who did a Mm six-minute video telling you how they've been there many times throughout history and are here for you now. Why are they doing that? Because they know that their competition isn't necessarily the other news station. It's everything else, right? It's everything vying for your time. It's that internet minute that, you know, you and I both follow Lori Lewis and every year she puts out that internet minute. And this is the the thing that people are doing. And... Look, I think we're well past the point. If you if you want to engage the audience and you want to be there with them, I think we're well past the point of, you know, as far as radio goes, playing, you know, six, seven songs an hour. Uh, I, I, where did I just see? Um, oh, uh, Westwood One. They blew out uh, a show and they hired a new guy and a new girl, and which was very interesting because they this new show basically went through a tornado in Nashville. And this new show has been working from home in a pandemic. That's basically been their run for the past, you know, 60 right, days right. on our prison uh, calendar, as we mentioned earlier. And then they blew them out and they put out a new show. And in their press release, we'll have the best personality plus mix of music. That's not that's not relevant anymore. 
That's not. And that's and that's the kind of thing I think we've got to get away from. Who's doing it best in Grand Rapids right now in the morning, Eric? Uh, free beer one and, show. Free beer and hot wings. Yes. Hands those down. were the guys it's, we were it's, it's, we were always it's chasing. For, it's not up for debate. So those, those sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> we were always chasing them and we were doing it. And we, we felt like, especially at SNX, when we had, we had a little bit of a cast, we, you know, when, when I was working and it was uh, me and, and hug it and, and Mike. And then when it was me and Schmitty and Mike, we had a little bit of a cast. We had, we had like a, like more than a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that at that point. And I'm like, okay, we can, we can make some runs here. We can do some personality. And I mean, literally you and I had people going, uh, why aren't, why, why isn't Ken playing eight songs an hour? Yeah. Well, and what, what's the, what's the thing that free beer and hot wings don't do? They don't play songs. They don't play and we a were getting single, our ass kicked by them. single song, like, not a we, single we one. Could, we could do anything in the world. We could get up there. I mean, how many times were we right there? It was us and B93 and GRD when we were working at SNX, we would be right there. And like the solution to beat the personality show was like to shove more goddamn Ariana Grande on the air. Like that, the, the that didn't make any sense, especially at the point that they were paying three of us to be in there. I mean, that was stupid. And you've seen what they've done. Even though it's from Detroit, they brought in a cast and personality show. And that's what they've tried to do at this point. But obviously here, it's not working quite as well as it works elsewhere. But again, I mean, I, I just don't think that those that sh those shows that are hitting the music after you talk for two minutes, I don't think that's what people are looking for now. I, we've got a mutual friend. I don't want to call him out because I did not get permission for this, but uh, we've got a mutual friend. Um, <laughs> All right. No, I'm not. I'm not saying his name. That's why I almost said his name. Uh, we've got a mutual friend and he's uh, involved in marketing decisions. I'll just say that much. And I remember talking to him a little bit about radio and he said, look, man, I don't give a shit about radio. I'm buying podcasts. Those people have an audience. Those people have a relationship and I don't have to fight with other advertisers the same way I have to fight on the air. He goes, I don't buy them. I buy personalities. I buy, you know, and this is somebody I will say has a radio background. So it was very interesting to hear that guy say, dude, podcast space is where I'm seeing my best uh, KPIs, my key performance indicators. Who's hearing my message and are they acting on that message? So I, again, it's, I'm not trying to throw radio under the bus. I'm just really frustrated sometimes in, in these situations to hear what I'm hearing and to hear like this show launch after you throw a couple of people on the street, which has happened to me a couple of times. And here's the interesting thing about radio is, and I said this to a friend who works in a nonprofit, we, we had a meeting uh, right before this all went down and we were talking about a couple of different things. I said, you know, the only couple of times I've actually been fired in radio are the times I start to know my worth and you end up, you end up a target and that's the problem. And rather than trying to, figure out ways to like, Oh, you know what? We want to pay this guy. This we've got to make money this way, this way, and this way. A, a lot of guys still just want to sell, sell spots. And I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out specifically, but I think you and I both have watched this industry uh, and, and been disappointed by this industry and on different occasions. Well, but I think one of the struggles when you've got a giant, when you're working with one of the giant conglomerates, right? Is that you can't compete on that podcast level because those podcasts are small and nimble, even if they've got large audiences, right? Like Joe Rogan, obviously the, the most popular podcast on planet Earth, can do whatever he wants. Um, right. They can't do whatever they want. And one of the things that they can't do that podcasts can do is necessarily niche programming because they're, they've built this model that they have to respond to mass. And mass is, to, you used the word reach earlier. And when you live in this how much instead of how, how effective, right, right, um, 
Well, what? I mean, how how many how many years have you and I heard ninety three percent? Right, ninety three percent. That's a. I know probably most people listening to the podcast or watching this right now have no idea what that is. But that is the number they throw at you for each. And what that means is somebody gets in their car, they start it up, they accidentally hear the radio before they freaking either flip over to XM or they plug in their iPod. I mean, so I I, I don't know. It's just. It's one of those things that it's a little frustrating. It's a little, it's, it's a lot sad. It's a lot sad. I mean, I'm a kid. I've got air checks from when I was 12 years old and would call into radio stations that had big booming personalities, like guys that did shows in the afternoon. I mean, you did afternoons. Remember? I mean, they were, they were tight on you, man. I mean, I will say that was one thing, at least with mornings, even though we weren't quite given the room, I thought we should have been, at least I had some room to play. Like, for somebody like you, who, who's especially now, you've created content in a way you've created, it's ridiculous that you were held to 12, 12 I'm not even exaggerating, 12 seconds, people. Yes, That's about yes. how long was, you had to talk. Given 12 That's seconds. your average length of time. Like, Eric, talk for 12 seconds, make something happen and make us money. Who the fuck can do that? Can I say that? I don't know. Sorry. You know, what's, <laughs> what's interesting when you look back at that, and I've said this, I've said this a number of times, is, um, I, you know, I'm, I've the happiest I've ever been. I'm doing the best work I've ever done. And and part of that is um, because I made the decision to leave. And the other part of it is that MLive has been so gracious with giving me autonomy to to create, right? I mean, there are, there are people I respond to and people I owe explanations to, and I have to be results-driven. But as far as creating content, it's way more, way more experimental and has been the entire time I've been there, which has been a godsend for me as as the second phase of my career has sort of gone in a totally different direction. Well, and here's the, here's the interesting thing too, because I don't want this to be like, Oh, Ken's pissed because he got fired again. Um, (laughs) I I think there's a ton of smart people and they are pivoting out there. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know iHeartRadio. They've got a ton of podcasts coming down. I just saw yesterday, Brett Paquita has got a great sports podcast coming down. It's probably something they should have been doing five years ago with that dude. That dude is like plugged into this market in a way that very few are. Uh, you know, I know over at Cumulus, I don't know if they've gotten it off the ground. They want they wanted uh, they wanted Tony Gates doing an outdoorsman podcast. Uh, you know, I, I think Town Square's probably got some of the best digital in town. The people are there. The strengths are there. The talent is there. It's just kind of <sighs> letting them loose is the wrong word, because I uh, that tends to conjure up pictures of just people that aren't listening. Kind of like what you said there. You do have people to answer to. You do have people you have to make sure are, are happy with your performance. Letting loose is not necessarily the right term but you've got to let people show their strengths and and do that in a way and give people the tools and i'm not even just talking about the people on the air i'm talking about the managers in these markets we got some really good uh oms in this market i mean dave taft is one of the top people i've ever worked with in radio i mean the dude knows what he's doing the guy that was there before him doug montgomery really great guy knew what he was doing i mean those two guys are super smart dudes that i got to work for uh, for a decent amount of time that know what works. They know what to do. And I, I feel like sometimes these corporate environments don't necessarily let them do their best job sometimes. And, and that kind of sucks because I think, I think radio has a chance to really shine in its different avenues because I, I don't think anybody can beat radio personality. I think this whole influencer thing started with people on the radio. I mean, TV was too shiny. TV was too perfect. TV was too glossy. Uh, I mean, obviously, newspaper back in the day didn't have the uh, impact as far as personalities. 
But I will say MLive is doing a really interesting thing. You know, you've got your – who's your weather guy? What's the guy's name? Mark – Terragrosa. Mark Terragrosa. Love is – it's like a it's like a name from The Sopranos. Like the guy's going to tell you the weather, and if you don't like it, well, you're in trouble. <laughs> yes. So, but I mean, you're kind of like that was our second idea, actually. Right, exactly. (laughs) Where's the Capricorn? (laughs) I got to do the weather. So, but I mean, you guys are really embracing that. Again, we mentioned John and Amy earlier. I mean, you guys are embracing that whole personality thing, which I think is super interesting. I will, you know, and I said it back then, and I'll say, I'll continue to say it. Like, they've been nothing but awesome to me. Um, and you know, I can't say enough good things about what they've been doing and what they've allowed me to do. And especially with right now, um, with the webinars that we've been doing for small businesses, like my ability to get up every day and at least do what I can to help those businesses get through all of this stuff Mm -hmm. that, that wouldn't have happened in the prior career. Like that wouldn't have been a thing we could have done. My joke, my joke was if you go back, I left, um, SNX in October of 2014. October 6th was my last day. You wouldn't know because I didn't get to do a goodbye show. If you rewind the clock three months, right? Um, maybe even four months. I'm still working in social at that point. I'm still building strategies for brands. I'm still running all 10 websites and I'm mm-hmm. doing all of that stuff. But there's no human being on earth that would have had any inclination to watch me speak about how to build strategy around social when I was at SNX. Well, but, what's really funny, but is I, like, but I crossed the street and changed my title. And then that's a thing that I do now all the time. That's a really interesting thing too, because I, I found that. And, you know, I've talked to a couple people here and there and it's really weird because you have to convince people that you knew what you were, you were doing those kind of things. Because radio is seen as so antiquated and so old school. I, you know, I, one of the things I've ran into uh, uh, with a couple of um, discussions I've had. I'm, can you tell I'm trying to tap dance a little bit after drinking too much? Right. Uh, so I've had some discussions and I've had to kind of almost distance myself from some of the properties I used to work with. Because they are not reflective now of what I was doing when I was there. And especially when, uh, you know, we had a couple of people to do it. I mean, I, you know, I had somebody to help me uh, that you and I both uh, worked with when I first started my, my position. When I was working at Cumulus, I was doing digital stuff. Uh, I had somebody who was actually a website content director, essentially. So she would do that stuff. And, you know, we were kind of building these brands and doing these different things. And I would then go to talk to people after I was let go. And you know what? What's the first thing somebody does when they're interviewing somebody for social or Internet? They go to where they used check to your work. work. Yeah, check your work. Right. And, you know, literally, I've got to like convince people like, look, I wasn't just sharing MLive articles. We were creating content. We were doing different things. They kind of got away from that. I don't know what's going on. I- I'm sorry. Like, it, so, I mean, you, you literally have seen the numbers. So it's interesting because, yeah, when you're in radio and you do that job and you do something like that, because I had the same title at Cumulus uh, that you had at iHeart it's a very weird situation to then go out and try to quote unquote convince the world <laughs> that you know what you're doing. And I right. don't know, is that because radios dropped the ball so many times that it's just, it's set up this whole expectation and, and, and put you in a, in a bad light for lack of a better term, when you kind of tra- try to transition to these digital situations where people, you know, well, no, again, I, I mean, I, I think, I think it speaks to what you were talking about earlier is that, um, 
as an industry, it is it is obviously innovated into the app space and it's innovated into, you know, the Alexa spaces and those sorts of things. Um, but they have always seen social as a driver to drive back to the website, which is not how people use the Internet. Right. Like meaning well, like, here's a, here's like a, here's they drive to the, you know, they drive to the website to like consume 28 pages, which is not what people do. No, um, no. And I think that's not, not just that. I'm going to stop you just for one second. Yeah, go ahead. Not only driving to the website, which is a little bit of an antiquated way rather than building brand awareness, which was I think you and I both agree is probably a bigger deal on socials. But they think that you're going to be able to drive back to that stick, that, that right. transmit, that 101.3. If you're talking about the brew, that uh, uh, um, 90, what is 94.5? Are they the Q now? They did all the Q. Like sure. you're going to put push back to the Q's website and then people are going to listen because you know what? We're going to put up a thousand dollar contest, man. What do you mean? They're not going to interact. They're going to, they're going to love it. They want a thousand dollars, Eric. Don't right. they want a thousand dollars? Right. And you and I both know, well, not really. They're inundated with that messaging all day and nobody has a perception they can win. So we've got to do different things and better things. Yeah. Well, and, and that, you know, and that just speaks to kind of how I was able to to sort of make that leap is that um, once you can go to another place and I was watching a video this morning so Steve N. Wagner um, runs this channel that I think is called Steve N. Wagner's personal brand something like something along those lines yeah. on Facebook um, and he was telling the story and he was telling the story that when he was playing like neighborhood baseball um, that he thought he was good at baseball but he never really got a shot and he was doing little league and um, they couldn't find a place for him and he just didn't fit Right. And one day his bike breaks down um, and I'm paraphrasing the story to kind of get to the point. His bike breaks down. And he's got to get a ride to Little League and his dad's friend drives him to Little League. And right before he drops him off, he sort of like leans this way towards Steve as Steve is getting out of the car and goes, give him hell, kid. And then that was really all it took for Steve to be like, yeah, I should give him hell. And then he ends up like playing third base. And that's like how he gets on this trajectory is is, you know, you. I know you promised there'd be no rah-rah and like promotion and like getting people excited about their, their life goal. But like you need to get to a place where somebody is like, go give them hell, dude. Like go do the thing that you're meant to go do and let's talk about it later. And that's not a thing that um, that that industry is particularly good at. No, you're 100% right. I mean, I mean, even even in my last situation, I'm not... Uh, I mean, the fit wasn't necessarily there because you and I both work very well in that. Do you need to refill that, by the way? No, I'm good. I'm good. Nice for half hour. I'm good. I actually, it, what kind of, what kind of drunk am I that I've got in like a little swiggy? <laughs> I'm totally good. Like this, this, this podcast is going to last a while. I better get a little swigger in there. Um, no, I, I, I think the last situation too, especially for me, I mean, it, it was a very weird, it was a very weird dynamic. I mean, and, and I've got a ton of respect, by the way, for Bruce Law. Uh, I, I liked working for the guy a lot. I mean, after I was let go, he, he you know, he, sh he shoots straight. He's like, man, I'm really sorry. This was budget. This is nothing I can do. I mean, so I'm not trying to slam on that environment. But that environment was very much what you and I thought it was from the outside, where there didn't feel like a lot of room to breathe sometimes. You and I are data guys, right? And I think most people that were good at jobs like we did were data guys. That's one of the first places I've ever worked where you never got to actually see the ratings as a whole. You and I lived on that. And here's the funny thing is like that wasn't a cumulus thing because I've, I've worked and run radio stations for cumulus. That was like uh, in Grand Rapids. You wouldn't get the numbers. You would get an email where they would highlight the numbers. 
and tell you what happened. Now, obviously, I had already had Arbitron logins from, you know, working in this business for years. You get logins, you, you're able to kind of update them wherever you you're logins, working. And do no those. one changes them. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Well, no, I mean, all I had to do was like call Nielsen and go, hey, right. I'm working here now. And they're like, okay, cool. Uh, they send you an email and it's good to go. But I so I had the numbers, but it was really interesting. I mean, hell, let's 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 talk about Doug Montgomery. What did that guy do every ratings day? Wore a pink shirt. He did. He was. I don't know if it was pink. He was very superstitious. No, it, was, it was a pink shirt every time. But here's the funny thing. He would take those numbers. He, he would take our ratings and he would pin those son of a bitches up in every single room. So everybody knew exactly where you stood as far as what we consider a win or a loss at this point. Yeah. And obviously ratings were a much bigger deal five, 10 years ago than they, than they are recently. If you want to work in metrics with internet and all those kind of things. But I mean, that was a guy who like was driven by data and I work really well in that environment. I think, I think you and I both prospered, even though you, you ended up leaving and you know, I ended up having my position cut, which seems to be a trend in my life. I think we both prospered in an environment where we get to know a lot of data, where we get to know where we are and where we stand. And it, it was just kind of weird. Uh, it, my, you know, I can't say that I can't say that happened last time, I guess is the best way I'll put it without really getting too into it, yeah. which I, I think is a really interesting situation, too, because, I mean, they've got they got huge talent in that building right now. They got Tony Gates there. They got Michelle McCormick there. They've got some really big talent in that building that, that could be probably. I don't know. I want to say this that, that, that I feel like they could be used in a really interesting way. You can just do no. Yeah, like, you need it. <laughs> no, I feel like, well, first, you know, I have a ton of respect for Michelle. Yeah. And I have a ton of respect for Tony. Tony, Tony Gates was like my favorite dude in that building, by the way, like that dude knows what he's doing. And I don't necessarily feel like sometimes he's given the credence to do what he needs to do. And I feel like, I mean, that's just kind of reiterating what we talked about probably for the last 20 minutes at this point. It's just really interesting to kind of see when you have dynamics like that and they want those guys to go out and be at a dynamic like free beer and hot wings or even Connie and fish. I mean, that's, that's the other thing too, that, that building seems to know, I will say town square seems to know how to leverage talent and how to leverage content at this point in a way I'm not necessarily seeing at cumulus. And obviously iHeart's got a different plan at this point where they've restructured and I'm not sure, you know, locally what they can and can't do. I mean, I really like Matt and Allie. I will say one of the things, um, when we, we talked about whether or not you're going to listen to radio, whether or not you're going to go find information. I mean, top of mind for me, and this is the guy that I love in this market is Steve Kelly. I mean, that, that guy is a guy that I still trust that I still look at that. I still try to find the info. I feel like obviously it's a news station, so they've got a lot more leeway. They're not playing songs, but I mean, that's a station where I will go, okay, what are we doing here? What is Steve doing tonight? Do I have a podcast I can listen to? Sure. Uh, radio, which I, you know, sometimes is there, sometimes isn't, but it's, it's a really interesting dynamic as you kind of, you know, look at all of these stations and look at all of these things going on in this market, kind of with some of the backstory that you and I both have. So it, I, I don't know, man, I think, I think radio can really, really thrive in an environment like this, but I don't know if the way the furloughs and the cuts and the decisions that are being made is allowing the people to do the jobs in the way they could do them best. And I think that's a, a perfect place to leave that. Leave that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Before, uh, so, I feel like we're going to get in trouble, even though we have nobody to answer to. Uh, yeah, I you There's probably, nobody to you probably more than me. But at this point, yeah. Um, what do you mean? So, what are you talking? Well, about? I mean, because like, I yeah, whatever. Um, so <laughs> we one of the comments um, on the the broadcast is they want us to talk about murder hornets, so we have to do that. And I do want to talk about the UFC before we wrap it up. 
Oh, okay. All right. Murder Hornets is just uh, it's just fun because it seems like every video I found, people just want to go get stung by them. So that's pretty cool. I mean, and they're you probably never going to be. You found more than Coyote Peterson. Yeah, well, well, there was Coyote uh, Peterson, and he, he that's like his gimmick. He goes and gets stung by things, which is fun. And then there was a lady on. Uh, I don't know if it was Inside Edition or Fox 17 or whatever. She's like, yeah, I study honey. Yeah, I've been stung a couple of times. I'm like, is that the new thing? Everybody just gets stung by these things. So they're not really that dangerous. And they're like the Japanese. The Japanese bees are smart. They can swarm them and they can overheat them to death. But again, you know, I've heard about the that thing is that they can be overheated. But again, um, when when you've got a creature who uh, sting feels like molten steel and has mandibles that are like. Shark How pins. does anybody know that? that? That guy's not Terminator. He's never fallen into a vat of molten Colossus, steel. Man, he's totally Colossus. He's... Oh man, whatever. No. So I'm not. I'm not so... that worried about the murder horn. I'm more worried about the uh, what? What is that? The triple E that we had last year. Like they're worried that that's going to come back because like people aren't taking care of the yards and there aren't landscapers and there aren't people spraying. Yeah. What was that? The triple E, the encephalitis. Whatever. Yeah. The the mosquito thing. Yeah. Remember, remember how remember how that seems quaint now that cops were walking around with bug spray last year it's, at football games, doesn't it? Seem, that does seem when the triple E was the thing we had to worry about. Right. We were scared to death. To, like, oh, son of a bitch, triple E. Like, that's so quaint now. Like, we would love to go to a football game where, like, some cop sprays us down at right. the beginning of the, the kids of night. Be, and then, at least the kids could be outside at that point. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, just spray it in my mouth. <laughs> Trump said it'll keep him out of my mouth. Just. It's sprayed me, in my mouth. Give me the deed right in my face, dude. Right, right, just let me, just let me inject it. So, all right. Uh, so, so you're worried about UFC, are you? I'm not worried about UFC. I just the UFC is back this weekend. UFC 249. You've got uh, Gaethje and Tony Ferguson because um, Khabib was going to fight on the 18th, and then there's this long. Well, con- don't go too deep. This is a very this is long a very convoluted topic. long convoluted story where he ends up in the wrong. There's a Russian guy that can't wrong, fight the American guy, so he ends up in the wrong country fights. somehow. I don't know what happened there, but um, wrong. That's where he lives. He went home. He didn't know if you could fly around. <laughs> he so can that's do, he so, can do anything. UFC says you can do anything. You could just do. The okay, things. so here's here's the thing. I think that we're the the heart of the matter is like what do you think they should be doing this at this point? Like they're gonna do it, they're gonna test everybody, they're not gonna have fans in attendance. Like, like I like I said at the the top of the podcast, like I think we need to try something, but for whatever reason, I'm I love the idea of Gaethje and Ferguson as a fight. I don't like, and I know you said not to go too deep, but it's my show, so I can do whatever I want. I don't it like is. the fact that number eighty. I don't like the fact that Tony is taking a chance to not have the Nurmagomedov fight happen because it's not like Gaethje is a walk in the park. So I don't like that because now it feels like we're doing this for the sake of doing it. Which, if you're the UFC, more power to you. You know, um, WWE did WrestleMania, so here's what you're gonna do. Um, I just, I'm not. I'm not, I don't know. I have no I do I want to ta- no drive to watch it really. I want to take a little bit of that out and see if we can discuss it without the fact that it's gonna affect other fights and as a UFC fan. Do you think at this point where we are with this virus and what's going on, do you think it's okay for them to do it? Obviously, it's not a hundred percent safe. We know that. Yeah, it's not do you think it's okay though for them to be running events, taking away from who's actually fighting this weekend? So I think, I mean, I think it's a little weird because um, it just feels weird. Uh, and here's what I mean is the fact that none of the other sports 
have done this. You haven't seen Major League Baseball do this. They want to get back in June or July, right? You haven't seen any of this yet. The fact that we're about to see NASCAR do it, though, in two weeks. So, I mean, like I said, someone has to go first. Someone has to figure out how unsafe it really is. Um, And this seems controlled enough and not quite as crazy as it was in April. So I'm, I, like I said, I'm fine with what they're doing. I just don't know that I miss it enough that I want to tune in. See, I I think I'm actually, I, I think I'm with you in April. It felt very, very off the cuff, possibly, uh, possibly dangerous. Uh, for lack of a better term, uh, possibly uh, a situation where they they weren't necessarily taking everything into consideration. Well, and, but, they, and not to cut you off, but they had just threaded the needle a week prior in Brazil, where they probably shouldn't have done that one either. Right. But they did it and got out of you know got out of there. Right. So I I, I think at that point it felt very much like uh, well, and for people that don't follow the fight game, uh, that Khabib uh, Tony fight. That was the fifth time they tried to get the fight off. So I think there was a lot of desperation in trying to have that actual fight happen, which played into this. But it did feel almost a little bit irresponsible at that point and uh, possibly dangerous. I feel like we've gotten through this enough. And the fact that they're going to have testing and the fact that this is basically a dude and another dude. Well, and, and the, what and it the, is, it's not the a fact team. it's it's Thursday night at this point in the house of mouse hasn't told them no. So I guess we're doing this. So. Right. Yeah. Because ESPN and apparently uh, Disney was got like, a call from yeah, Disney. No, yeah. not, we're not going to we're not doing that today, guys. I, I, I do think one on one combat is, is certainly a way to put your toe in the water. I don't necessarily want to say <laughs> is that the thesis here. Guys, here's how we get through. Well, coronavirus. I mean, one on one combat is going to be the way through. If we just take two I'm people saying, and they fight. And if either one of them gets sick, we know that we shouldn't fight. I'm just saying is that how, that's how we teams. argue now. Right. Like, that's how this works. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. They want to kill old people. <laughs> yes. That's how we that's how we argue. No, I think if if you're going to do this and you do it in a way, because these guys, here's the other thing, too, is like people are, what about their camps? What about these are fighters, man? They're going to be around their camps no matter what is going on, essentially. Yeah. I mean, that that happens. Um, Tony Ferguson's a beast is that the dude weighed in for the last fight that didn't happen. And for those of you that have never caught weight in your life, if you've never wrestled that there's no reason in hell anybody would ever want to do that voluntarily no, other than the it, fact that they're a crazy beast. And I know again not to be too inside but that's one of the concerns about this weekend is like two cuts in a row that close see if he has any problems, you know. Yeah, so I mean I guess I guess somebody has got to go first like you say it feels a little bit soon but it also feels like the situation cuz even in NASCAR you're going to be pulling in pit crews. You're going to be pulling in a lot of guys. Where are they do uh, where is that race? Well, they're doing. They're going to run. Or is it two... vir- is it virtual? No, 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 no. They're running races. They're not running e- without not e- crowds. Not, not esports, then. No, no, no. Okay. Um, which I think has been all right, but yeah, no, it's been fine. They're running at least two races in North and South Carolina each because those are states that will let them run. And we've seen also Florida is a place that will let place like UFC, WWE, uh, do things. So what they're doing is kind of going places where. They can actually do this legally. So NASCAR is going to run some races. That's a lot of guys, too, when they're, I mean, pit crews are going to be real close. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, like you said, this situation, we got to start testing. Are any of these people high risk? If somebody's high risk, are they worried about passing that on? Can they back out without repercussions? That's the biggest deal in this whole deal. And this will go back to what we talked about earlier about the state of Michigan, the fact that, you know, a lot of people are pissed because, you're saying we can open factories next week, but a guy who's built a business from the ground up can't go back to work. 
So we're putting people in factories. You can't tell me that that is any less dangerous than two guys going in a cage that have been tested prior to the fight. You can't convince me that is less dangerous. You really can't because most of the factories in the state are in the Detroit area. That's been a hot spot, and they're going back to work. Yes, they're going back with precautions, but there's only so much you can do. Uh, I said this to my wife when we were doing kind of shopping runs. She did her first run a couple of weeks in. She goes, yeah, that was really weird, man. That's just people felt like they weren't distancing and they, 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 there was a lot of people there without masks and all this stuff. And we had a little bit of a discussion. I said, the world isn't built to be six feet apart from people. That's not the world we live in. Are we going to rebuild the world? I don't know. But right now we don't live in a world that's built for six feet apart. So we're going to have to figure out moving forward what that actually looks like. Cause yeah, we can do the social distancing. We can do all of those things, but the world that we live in is not built for six feet apart. You can't go to a grocery store and stay six feet away from somebody unless you only let five people in at a time, which certain square footage and floor plans and business models will just simply never, ever allow kind of going back to that concert uh, example we used earlier, just, Oh, well, we'll cut down Van Andel arena to 2,500 people. Then everybody's going broke and Van Andel arena is bankrupt, right? That's the world's not built for six feet of distancing. So we have to figure out where, where the rubber hits the road. And I don't necessarily have an issue with UFC running this event. I'm very curious to see it. Um, I think we could use a little bit of entertainment like that. So I'm actually happy it's happening this weekend and I'm hoping the testing goes well and, you know, if something happens, which it will at some point, some somebody is going to test in the NFL. Somebody's going to test in the NBA once we're back to it. I know a couple of guys already have. It's where what happens after this whole situation. And I think if you do the best you can at this point, I, I mean, that's really all you can ask other than what? Shutting things down and sheltering until there's a vaccine. I, I feel like those are the two options that people are fighting on both sides for. And I don't feel like either of those is realistic. All right, friend, we've been doing this for 90 minutes. Uh, If people want to find you, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, At the Ken Evans, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Uh, Hopefully, by the way, I'm hoping within the next week or two to be launching my own podcast. Nice. Which should be fun. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to sponsor it, (laughs) hit me up. Oh, I thought you were asking Anytime. me like this was a 90 minute pitch. You want to sponsor it? You want <laughs> to sponsor it? If you could pitch. just if you could just sponsor it, that's what we've if been you could doing. You just throw me a couple of bucks. I'd gladly talk about uh M Live the whole show. It's my pleasure. Uh, so hopefully within the next couple of weeks, uh aftermath podcast. What happens after a radio guy ends up inside a podcast? Uh we're hoping to launch that pretty soon here. I'm hoping to have some guests uh I need to talk to within the next couple of weeks. Uh, but otherwise, just follow me, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Uh, if you're looking for digital help, if you're looking for marketing help. I'm available for that, not only uh, in a uh, salaried capacity, but freelance capacity as well. Uh, I, I Also, there's a lot of small businesses out there, and I've kind of been toying with this idea. Um, and, and I've been kicking it around, but if you're a small business in West Michigan, uh, maybe we've worked together in the past. Maybe we haven't. Uh, I'm not trying to step on your toes too much, Eric, but if you need a little help socially, just shoot me a message, and I'm not even talking about charging you. I'm just like, if you need some help, if you're a small business, and you and I both know that these businesses have been thrown into an a really interesting situation at this point. Oh, uh, wood just, chipper probably is probably right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, but you know what I mean? I'm seeing too. And, and not to, not to, not to make this longer, but it's a really interesting dynamic to see how these business, I live in door. Uh, a lot of people know I live down in Allegan County. Uh, it's a, very interesting to see a lot of these country businesses very quickly adapt 
to the internet, to apps, to ordering online, to no contact service. So as your small business, as you're continuing to adapt, if you need help with your social, if you need help with your digital marketing, uh, feel free to hit me up anytime. Um, so I, I just want to let West Michigan businesses know that I no problem helping people out, especially at this time, uh, because things are really, really tough. And, you know, there's a lot of business owners wearing way too many hats and getting thrown into things that they're not necessarily used to. Some of us are more used to that. And I don't have any problem helping people out. So, again, at the Ken Evans, Twitter, Facebook and more uh, Ken at KenEvans.com. If you want something more formal and you want to set something up, be more than happy to do that for you. All right, brother. Thank you for the time. All right, man. You have a great night. Thanks again for letting me on episode 80, 80. of the Incredible Halt podcast. See you, brother.